Hi, and welcome back to the podcast, Writing Muse and Writing Mentor. I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir, and today we're talking all about revising manuscripts. A lot of writers resist revision because it feels hard, or they don't know where to start, or it touches that nerve in them that says, if I didn't do it right the first time, I must not be very good at it. Learning to treat your writing as a practice may be a new way of approaching your craft altogether. If you've been conditioned by the quote-unquote myth of overnight success, or maybe you're suffering a bout of perfectionism, either way you may struggle with the belief that revising means you failed or didn't do it well enough the first time. I am here to tell you, you have not failed. If you don't have revisions to make, you may be some sort of genius or savant, in which case you probably don't need any of my podcasts. But for the rest of us, revision isn't a sign of weakness. It's a product of the truth that very little is built, constructed, created, or finished in one pass. When you go back to anything that you've written, when you look a second time or a third time or a fourth time, you're almost always going to find something that you missed. In fact, the more times you look, the more you may see to change. And that is absolutely okay. In fact, that's very good. Writing evolves with time, with attention, and with feedback. And the truth is that every time you write, you get better at it. So as you revisit things that you wrote some time ago, you're going to find changes that are merely based on the fact that you're now a better writer. If you've ever painted a room, which I've attempted to do and will never attempt again, but that's a story for another time, you know you have to apply a whole bunch of coats or else when it dries, there are all these little tiny black holes in there. I speak from experience. What they do is they make the overall paint job look shoddy. Technically, a painter could say a room was done after the first coat which is what I did, which is why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> but once it dries, it looks half finished. Well, the same thing can go for writing. No matter what you write, writing has many layers, or it should have many layers, that you have to attend to. You have to look at scene, character, plot, voice, style, theme, and more than that. Nobody can be expected to perfect so many things in one fell swoop. Add to this the pressure many writers feel for various reasons to finish projects and rush their work into the marketplace. In part, this is due to the rise in self-publishing. If you can write a story in the morning and get it up on Amazon in the evening, a lot of people think that's a really good thing to do. I am not one of them, but it's true that revision remains the most unloved yet crucial part of the writing craft. As a writing teacher, my experience is that revision is one of the most persistently difficult areas to get writers to learn, to love, or at least to enjoy. In part, I think this is because many people feel overwhelmed and don't know how to break down the revision process into manageable stages. But once you do learn to love it, or at least endure it, you will be amazed at how it changes your relationship to your own words. Nothing is more gratifying than watching your idea come together, flesh out, and reach its potential. In the past, I've talked about a visual artist 
who told me that as she applies paint to the canvas and then applies different paint to the canvas and then moves some paint around on the canvas, that in essence, she was painting miles of canvas on her way to creating that final piece. And in the same way, I think writers have to write libraries of words before they complete a truly finished project. Even if you are a beacon of shining raw talent, you probably have a trick or two to learn, a habit to curb, or a new way of writing that you'd like to try out. The more you polish your work by putting it through revisions, the better. First drafts can always be written in a rush. We all know this from NaNoWriMo, or National Novel Writing Month, which is November, in which you try to get a novel done, or at least 50,000 words of one done, in one month. You can do that. I can do that. I've done that for many years now. I use November as a sort of spur to get something started. So you can, you can write a first draft in a month. It's not a problem. But subsequent drafts, those are what take time. So you write. Why do you write? Let's think about it. You probably write because you love it. You may write because you're good at it. And you also likely struggle, wrestle, and grapple with it more than someone who only writes occasionally or writes for fun. The struggle is a good thing. It means that you're working hard and venturing somewhere new rather than staying complacent. I think, in fact, that we're, we've become far too preoccupied with ease. I don't know where this notion of art being easy came from maybe somewhere between the advent of fast food and online shopping, I don't know. But for some reason, you have to love your writing and it has to be easy and it has to be fast. And not all three of those are true. And in fact, all three of them are usually false. There's good hard work involved in revision. But if you approach it with the right attitude and the right way for you, that hard work is bolstering, it's healing, it is transformative, not just to your manuscript, but sometimes also to you. Once you get through the inertia, you'll hit your stride, you'll find a place where your material takes new shape, where it comes alive, and where it transforms into something bigger and better than what you started with. So let's talk about bringing your vision to life. And I know, I know this from my own experience. I know it from the experience of many of my clients and students, which is there's nothing quite as powerful as the moment that your great idea hits you. It's fantastic. It's meteoric. It's seismic in its power. The problem with getting that grand idea is you probably got the idea at the edge of sleep. That's where I usually get my best ones. Or in the middle of a work meeting, or quite suddenly, driving without the means to jot it down. By the time you begin in earnest to translate your vision to paper, well, it comes out not quite as grand as it had started out in your head. Life isn't like the matrix. You can't plug in and download the knowledge you need in a few minutes. And writing is an act of discovery as much as it is one of creation. So even if you can encapsulate that idea um, it's still not the writing. You haven't done the work. The idea is never the work. Anyone can have an idea, I'll be honest with you, and everybody can have a grand idea. Anyone can have 10 ideas a day. The difference between those people and the writer is that the writer has sat down and has done the work. 
has written the first draft, has written the second draft, has written the fifth draft. So when you're revising, you're making good on that initial spark of inspiration. Revision is the chase, and you can't stop until the word on the page is as close to your original vision as possible. And what's interesting is, as you write, the true magic of writing often does not come from that first original idea, but for something that happens to you or to your story or to both in the process. So it's exciting. It's a, a journey of discovery. It's a tedious journey of discovery. Um, it's a difficult journey of discovery, but it is one of the best journeys of discovery there is because there really is a payoff at the end. Well, I know that revision is still difficult, even though I've just told you you have to do it. So I want to give you just a few ideas um, to help you. One of them the first of them, probably the most important of them, is to get some necessary distance. If you reread what you've written five minutes ago, you're probably not going to change much. You might find a typo. That's about it. What you need to do is get up and walk away from it. And the more distance and time you can put between yourself and your manuscript, the better your first revision will be. That's because when you're in the middle of writing it, you are unable to see it with any kind of objectivity. You need to spend some time away from it. When you're writing, you're entering into the realm of your words. You become your characters. You live your ideas. You become affected by them. And after writing that first draft, you are still too close to your work to be able to see it with any amount of clarity. Those That idea, that excitement is still beating and bleeding and, and, and it's still in your heart and it's still in your mind and you're still sort of on that high. You need, unfortunately, to come down from it. You need to take time away from your draft before you can revise. Every writer has a different need for distance, but I guarantee you will not be able to improve until you've put the work away for a while. For me, I try to make that time time frame at least a week. I think that that's a, a minimum of walking away from it, clearing your head, writing something else, not writing something else, but not thinking about it. When you come back to it, it will be fresh and it will be ready for you to do something about. You also need, so that's number one, get that ne necessary distance. Number two for revising, and this is very, very important also, is to get some feedback. Um, almost every published author I know has told me that they had either a writing partner, a writing critique group, or an editor with whom they worked closely. They do not rely on their own eyes to catch what isn't working, and nor should you. Because they looked for feedback, these authors also revised their work, not just based on what they are seeing, but what someone else is seeing, what someone else who approaches it as a reader is seeing. Some of them did a whole lot of revisions based on that feedback. And again, I think that amazing things happen in a revision. And often these revisions um, create something even better, lift it up when there's some feedback. My method is to use what are called first readers, capital F, capital R, which is 
when I have finished my manuscript and I've walked away from it for a week or so, I've come back, I've done maybe another draft, maybe uh, two rounds of revisions. At that point, I have a small group of people who are lovely, wonderful people, um, some of whom are professional wordsmiths and some of whom are not, are just readers who are interested in reading. I send it out to them and they go through it and they tell me things that are pretty obvious, like there's a typo on page 78 or um, Charlie's name changed to John in chapter 4. Um, or really other things that I wasn't seeing because the story's been inside my head for so long that once I got it on the paper, it was really clear to me. Whereas someone has said to me, for instance, on a re in a recent first reader review, um, someone said, look, I don't get that motive. I don't think that the motive you've given is strong enough for him to want to kill his mother. Which granted is a pretty strong thing for me to have done. And I knew why. I, I would have been inside the killer's head for some time. But it doesn't mean that anybody else does. And I really needed someone who just approached it as a reader to point that out to me. Every single time I've gotten feedback from first readers, they have made my books so much better. So please do not go it alone. Find a critique group. There are a couple online if you don't have anything locally. Um, and I can, if you certainly, if you want to email me, I can point you in some directions for online critique groups, finding a writing partner. Sometimes you can do this through um, National Novel Writing Month. They, they um, really recommend that you partner up with someone, and that can be a partnership that can last for a long time. Or get first readers. Whatever you do, get feedback. And then I just want to talk a little bit about the rhythm um, of editing and and how that works. I don't want you to let the idea of multiple drafts um, be terrifying. You're not going to rebuild the house from scratch with each revision. So you're not going to start from scratch. You're not going to start at the beginning and say, oh, I got everything wrong. No, you got a few things wrong, but they're fixable and you don't have to fix them all at once. Um, what I think of is is and what works for me and for, for many of my students is that you choose a series of elements to focus on. So as you go through and as you take the feedback and go through, um, you can look at some specific areas to revise on each revision. So this revision, I'm going to really look at characterization. I'm going to look at dialogue. I'm going to look at narrative. I'm going to look at language, all those things. If you do them as separate passes, or as, as, as one um, teacher I had once said, waves, um, then it gets really easier because you're not trying to, first of all, you don't get lost back in the story because you're looking for something specific. But then you also are able to really hone down on the things that, that are going to make a big difference in the long run. Here are some places you might think about looking. You can look at structure. So make sure that um, your plot or your narrative are clear, um, that the high and low points are in the right places, and you don't have to worry yet about it making it beautiful. Just make sure the structure's there. Look at your scenes. Make sure that every scene is full, is fleshed out, um, is doing what it needs to do in your narrative. Look at action. Look at dialogue. Look at setting. Look at descriptions. 
Um, look at plot information, especially if you're writing mysteries as I do. You've got to be handing out little tidbits of hints and clues in every scene. So how are you doing that? Um, look at character. Make sure your dialogue and character and narrator actions are realistic and appropriate and that they deepen the reader's understanding of him or her. Especially don't make everyone sound the same. I remember a very early, early, early book of mine which fortunately never got published. <laughs> but the feedback I got on it was the person said to me, well, yeah, it's, it's a nice story, but everybody sounds like a white educated woman. And you're a white educated woman. In other words, everybody sounded like me. Um, and I'm not saying that you want to go out of your way to give people accents. Those are very difficult to deal with. And I, I've written blog posts about that. I may have a podcast or two about that, so we won't go into that now. It And it doesn't mean to, to make your characters into caricatures, but we should be able to know when we see part of the dialogue who it is that's speaking. And you're not going to do that if you don't really pay attention to the character and the way the character would speak. Also look at imagery and tension. You have to make sure you're using powerful imagery that catch, captures your reader's attention and creates emotion and tension, if not on every page, on every other page, because you do want to keep your forward momentum. You want to keep the reader turning the page to the next thing. And there's no reason why you shouldn't enjoy doing this. Let's face it. You know that um, when you pick up a piece of beach glass, I think of this because I live on Cape Cod and, and we find quite a few of these um, by the water. Um, you know the, the feeling of smoothness that you get as you're touching it? Um, just as the water shapes and polishes the beach glass, um, revision is that process for your words. So you're going to find the right word. It will not sound polished, but it will be polished, if that makes sense to you. Obviously, you wanted to write because there's some part of you that loves to turn words over in what we might call, again, going back to the beach glass and the tumbler of your mind to clip and tease the cadence of your sentences until you until they glow. Um, there's nothing so wonderful. I hope you've already experienced this or that you will experience this. There's nothing so wonderful as to look at a sentence that you wrote and say, damn, that's good. Well, you can say that about all your sentences if you revise, 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 revise until you can. Language is an elastic and powerful force. It moves and bends as you play with it. So don't stay stuck in something monotonous. Don't stay stuck with one note use. Play, break your words, learn to hear the way sentences move and then arrange them and rearrange them. Scenes, dialogue, description, until your writing feels as layered and textured as a tapestry. And finally, 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 don't rush. And again, this is a problem with self-publishing. Just want to get it out. I can tell people on Monday that my book is out. Be careful, be careful, because you know what? Once it's out, it's out. And even if you do revise, even if your work is as perfect as you can get it in that moment, I guarantee you that five years from now, you're going to pick up that book and you are going to cringe. You're going to wish you could write it over again. I tell you this because it happens to me. And once it's published, it's out there. They've already read it. You can't change it. So make sure it is the best it can be when it leaves you. 
I know that for uh, for many writers, especially beginning writers, publication feels like a constantly receding horizon that you're always chasing. And it's really easy to give in to the fear that if you don't submit to a publisher or if you don't self-publish right now, you'll lose an opportunity. But that's not what makes for success in writing. A successful author pays care and attention to the writing. The stronger your work is, the greater your chances of success will be. Rushing only leads to sloppiness. And I guarantee you that anyone looking at it, whether it's an agent, a publisher, or a reader, if they see sloppiness, they all know that you rushed it, that you are unprepared, and they will not read anything else that you write. So this is, if I, I want this to sound dire, because this is dire. This is really important. Um, your fate, your perfect timing aren't going anywhere. Your writing will find its place when the work is right, and you will feel so much better about it then. As I said, self-publishing has contributed to this false sense of urgency in writers to get work out and done. Um, and frankly, I don't care if you write a book per month. Nothing is ever done after a first draft. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Your first draft is for telling yourself the story. Further drafts shape your work for readers. So think of it that way. The first draft is for you. You're getting the story out, whether it's fiction, whether it's nonfiction, whether it's a memoir. You're getting what you need to say out. Boom. Done. And now, as you revise it, you're going to be thinking about your audience. You're thinking about who you want to have read this, and you're going to polish it for them. Do not ever, ever, ever feel like your work is good enough. It can't be just good enough. Especially if you want people to pay you for it. It's got to be the best you can make it. You can rise above all this. You can shine. And I will see you next time. This is Jeanette de Beauvoir, writing muse and writing mentor. Get out there and write on.